Hello and welcome to the Your Gym Big Sister podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful morning, afternoon or evening wherever you're listening to this from. And on today's episode, I have a wonderful guest with me. I have the lovely Orla Swan, aka The Health Hun on Instagram. And Orla and I have quite a similar background. We actually both kind of were in the biomedical sciences field and have now transitioned into coaching. Orla is very much into, um, you know, hormonal health, digestive health, and so many other things. And I love like looking at Orla's page. She's really into things like the nervous system as well, trauma. There's so many things that we probably could talk about. We're going to try and keep this more so towards the hormonal menstrual cycle aspect side of things. So I'm really excited to dive into it with her. So Orla, why don't you tell the listeners, you know, who you are, what you do, why you do it, and just a bit about your backstory and what got you to this place today where this is kind of your passion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as you said on Instagram, I am known as the health one. It's so funny when people are like, "Oh, you're the health one," and I'm like, "No, I'm Orla. My brand is the health one." <laughs> but yeah, I got into it because my own struggles with health. Um, so like you said, I was very much in a different career. I was in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and thought that was gonna be my life career. I was like grinding, trying to get to the top and doing all the usual bits. And it was like during lockdown that I was like fucking miserable because I realized when we were working from home it was like working on site that was making me like my job being around people rather than actually doing the job um so COVID lockdown gave me time to really like think about it and I was doing a nutrition certificate myself just for my own interest I've got IBS and PCOS so I was doing both of those or sorry I was doing the course to support both of those because my journey was very much pretty similar to a lot of people with IBS and PCOS um, and any women I suppose with their health they might not be listened to they might not be heard for quite a number of years and they might feel a little bit helpless and powerless so I am with the science brain I'm very much the type of person that wants to figure out why so I never stopped at the fact that it was like take a laxative or go on the pill it was like there has to be something deeper to this so started my research started investigations and um yeah just kept learning I suppose and then during COVID my friend was like why don't you just start coaching if it's something you're so passionate about and I was like ah scary I don't know enough information blah 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 and I was like Do you know what fuck it I'll try see how I get on and I'm here three years later now <laughs> yeah. and yeah yeah I'm absolutely loving it um I never thought that like being a business owner or yeah working for myself was even a possibility so to be, just be doing a career that I'm just it lights me up every fucking day just working with women and as you said I've now expanded it from hormones gut health disordered eating to now include nervous system regulation and trauma and um, so yeah it's very very special oh that is so exciting and such a wonderful story and Orla is now living in Australia and um, has been in Bali recently it's been really really cool to just kind of watch you traveling all over the world and I can really resonate with what you said there about just kind of being lit up every single day like I literally would just sit there smiling being like is this really my job because <laughs> yeah when I think when you're from that kind of the research academic kind of sphere it just it just feels like a different world you know like sometimes I'm like how how did I do that and how did that how was that my goal for so long um but interesting um one thing I'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about is what was the sort of journey for you 
you know, I know, like you said there, it's so hard to get a diagnosis for something like PCOS, even IBS and IBD. I mean, like some doctors, like they just kind of give that label out. They're like, oh yeah, you have IBS. And they don't really go into it much with, with patients. But you know, what age were you when you started, I suppose, realizing that maybe something was amiss and what was it like, how did that go for you from realizing something's maybe amiss, getting a diagnosis? Did you find you had to fight for that a lot? Was it like a really difficult journey? Cause I've heard of some, you know, some, some girls and like, it's years and years and years. And I know PCOS is one thing, same with things like endometriosis. It can be so hard as a female to be heard, I think by, by the medical system. So what, what was it like for you? I'm intrigued to know. Yeah. So, um, the PCOS and IBS would be a little bit different. So IBS is diagnosed by ruling everything else out. So by exclusion. Um, and, you know, again, like what you said with IBD, that can be something that is more sinister and something that needs more investigation. So they tend to kind of do the test to rule out anything like gastritis, IBD, anything like that first. And then you get diagnosed with IBS, which can almost feel like oh yeah, you just have IBS. That's the typical one-liner um, that they're diagnosed and then they're not really given any sort of information or education on how to support themselves. Um, so like I would have had to get a scope, a colonoscopy and I would have been off my tits on Valium at the end and he was just like, um, yeah, so by the way, you've got IBS, don't eat chocolate and don't eat caffeine. Best of luck, here's some laxatives. And I was like, sorry, after being hospitalized um, because I had chronic severe constant now so like I I do think back I do remember having moments throughout the years of being sick like being unwell and having like stomach pain and like vomiting and constipation and stuff throughout like most of my life there was one incident I think I was around 14 that I remember being in school and having a really bad stomach infection but I had like flatulence and gas for quite a number of weeks. I remember going around school with a bottle of perfume because I was so embarrassed. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, I would have had, I would have had that for quite a number of years, but it wasn't until I was like 18, I think, or 19 that I started working in an emergency department. And then I was kind of around testing and um, I really wanted to do medicine then because of that. But the doctors kind of took me under their wing and were kind of helping me out with just learning I suppose and then from that I was like oh maybe I've got something wrong with me so I would have then started getting tests done and I would have got really bad as well like I would have had a lot of um flare-ups to the point I was crippling like bent over in pain like sometimes I actually am very disconnected from that because my reality is so different now like I really rarely deal with bad IBS unless like I've been traveling and floating around the world or like had a stomach infection, belly, belly. Anyone that's been to Bali knows all about that, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I I sometimes forget how bad that it can be until like I see it in my clients firsthand. Um, so yeah, I was diagnosed with that, and again, still just not really given any sort of education. But back then, we didn't know much about the gut brain connection. So if you looked up IBS, you wouldn't have seen anything to do with the gut brain connection. Um, so how many years ago that that that's about like about nine years ago now um and I remember reading a book about three years into my diagnosis called the gut brain connection and it was like it was like my brain had just lit up I was like holy shit there's an explanation for all this stuff um and it was a really good book because it was like it showed like um 
research studies in mice and kind of like anxiety and different things like that so back then my science brain was ticking and it was just amazing but yeah I didn't really have much support I really had to figure it out for myself along the journey and that's what can feel um like disempowering I suppose if someone getting diagnosed with IBS it feels like there's nothing you can do when there is so much things that you can do to support the gut brain connection gut motility your gut microbiome um and it gets to be very simple as well it seems like it's so complex um because of the interaction with the gut brain connection everyone is so stressed out and there can be issues with relationship with food and so on so it just feels like it feels like a constant flare when you are diagnosed or you're in the thick of it but there absolutely is another side of it and um with PCOS then PCOS is actually simple to diagnose this is what a lot of doctors are missing and I don't understand why there is a diagnostic criteria that you can literally align so you must meet two out of the three criteria one of them is um, absent or irregular menstrual cycle or ovulation. The second one is bio or biochemical or clinical hypoandrogenism, which just means those kind of male characteristics such as acne, oily skin, um, kind of hair growth on the body, hirsutism and so on, um, or on the blood tests as well. And then the third one is the cysts on the ovaries, which would be ruled in or ruled out by a by an ultrasound so basically um you know you don't have to have cysts on your ovaries to have pcos and you can also have cysts on your ovaries and not have pcos you can have pco um so there's like it's very simple to diagnose like by by ruling those in or those out there's obviously some more complex cases to do with like the pill and stuff like that we can't really see clearly um but yeah I, I really don't know why this is being misdiagnosed still when it's pretty simple I can chat to a conversation I can have a conversation uh, with a client in a consultation and know within five minutes even better if they've got blood tests or so on um so yeah it's just something that we need to kind of I suppose we shouldn't really have to be advocating for but this is how it is I think I think the big gap comes with um timing in like consultations with GPs and so on but then also them not keeping up to date with education so like I said the gut brain connection wasn't something that was heard about nine years ago so you know I had to go figure that out by myself if a doctor knew about that then and there um that could have saved me a lot of years of misery <laughs> yeah yeah I know what you said there about the gut brain connection I find that so fascinating and as soon as somebody tells me even if it's not IBS but just if they're suffering with poor digestion the first thing I'm asking them about is are you stressed when you're eating are you rushing like are you in this yeah. state of like heightened nervous system activity and so many people like they just don't think about it um one thing I d would love to actually get your opinion on or if you see this a lot because I think with some of the symptoms of IBS say like obviously it's, it's bloating it's like cramping and all that sort of stuff sometimes people seem to think that that's like normal so do you think maybe that there's this and you know like you said yourself like this was going on for years do you think that part of you just thought this is just normal like this is just how I am you didn't because we don't like like I know some people joke about like oh I'm so bloated after I ate that and stuff like that but I think people don't realize the difference between your belly being full and like legit that bloating like that hard like cramped sensation like do you think it's because people are just unaware maybe that that's why they they put it off so long I'm sure there's obviously maybe a sense of like embarrassment like am I really going to go to the doctor because I'm bloated is that kind of something that you run into a lot with clients when they come come to you 
Yeah, absolutely. So like I would have just accepted that I was just a person who has constipation. Like my yeah. whole life I was like, that's just me. Because you'll talk to people about it and people in your environment will be like, yeah, I, I always just have constipation too. So it's like we're, we're always kind of chatting to people about it and they're just confirming it. But like even if you go to a doctor, they're not exactly saying that this is not a normal symptom. And yeah. they just so like yeah. often with constipation, say for example, you're just given laxatives and laxatives can cause more harm than good. They're going to constantly flush out your gut microbiome and also your stomach can become reliant on it so like a big part of my work is getting your body getting my clients bodies back to doing what they're meant to do like you have a natural ability and rhythm there that you can move food along appropriately and like working with fiber and the stress and everything um but that would not be something that is explained in a gp consultation you know um and again some gps don't really I, do you know what? I think a lot of them will focus on the fact that it's not that serious. So yeah. a lot of my life I've been told it's it's fine. That those kind of things do not take up like they're not emergency situations. And it was very much reminded of that during COVID. I remember trying to go to the doctor over a few things. Like I had a lot of issues at that time um, from like trauma and stuff. It was manifesting in my body. And I was very much like deprioritized, even yeah. though I was really fucking struggling because yeah. it affects your quality of life. OK, so this would be a thing that people don't measure or value is their quality of life. Your quality of life gets to be good. Yeah. A lot of people won't actually go to the doctors until something's really fucking bad. And, you know, you don't have to wait until something's really bad. You can actually just experience feeling good quite a lot of the time. Um, and I suppose that there is that differentiation between, like you said, what's bloating and what's full on distension. So like bloating is a normal symptom. OK, and it's great to see that like people are promoting that on Instagram and like normalized bodies and all that good stuff. However, there's a severe difference between distension and bloating. So working on acceptance that you will bloat from time to time, that that is a normal thing. Your stomach must expand when you eat food um, and it doesn't mean like obviously there could be issues with body image there are things to work through with like self-worth and so on as that is triggered within you like you should be able to just accept that you're bloating and almost see it as like a little sign that your body needs a bit of soothing so this is the thing we'll often turn against our body when it looks that way versus actually being like okay maybe I could take a few deep breaths maybe I could eat a little bit slower maybe I could do something to show up for myself rather than internalize that and in turn against myself um but yes there's a very big difference between that versus the distension which like if you suffer from IBS you will know all about the distension and the difference in the bloating it's really severely uncomfortable um and a lot of people will compare themselves to like a pregnant woman's body and I heard someone recently and they were like why are we shaming pregnant women's body and I was like oh my god that's so true <laughs> <laughs> as if it's this awful thing that we're being like I look like a pregnant woman and it's like oh my god I can't believe I used to say that for years <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god yeah if you ever were pregnant you'd be like why the fuck was I saying that <laughs> I know, I know. but um yeah but it is it's kind of like you're not pregnant so why do you look like you're pregnant I get this but it's more so the feeling it's the yeah. uncomfortableness the pain the suffering the cramping like it is very very different and when you again I suppose to simplify it long story short if you have not been told or empowered with a way to move through that or given tools or some sort of hope that you can change this of course you're just going to accept that as your norm 
And a lot of clients obviously have an extremely high pain threshold as a result. I remember I used to get like tattoos and stuff. I'm like, nope, it doesn't hurt me. And I remember last year getting it done and I was like, oh my God, I've become like a little bitch. This one hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. The secret superpower of IBS that you didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I do think um, it is. Like it is something that I just find is a conversation that's coming up a lot with with people. And like, I think even all the tips that you can give for say IBS, and I know that there's a lot more to do with the the gut brain connection, but even just around food hygiene, like I'm constantly just giving them to people, like everybody, like we should all be like implementing these things, like, you know, eating properly, being mindful. Um, But I do think it's it's good to kind of get those conversations out there and let people kind of hear them. Um, So taking it back a little bit to, I suppose, the hormonal side of things and the PCOS. So again, like you said, uh, took a little while to get a diagnosis there. And I think like, with obviously the medical system and the healthcare system like it is obviously really really tough for females to get listened and heard at the same time it's like okay you've got five minutes in a consultation with a GP like I get it they're not there to help you with your lifestyle and so sometimes you do have to go elsewhere and get that other like help so was there did you have that like did you kind of seek help elsewhere outside I know you mentioned like you did all your own research but did you ever work with like say someone who was specialized in hormones or anything like that that maybe inspired you even to kind of go on go on this journey to be that coach or was it just you kind of realized what was going on and kind of fought for it within within the doctors themselves um so I do what I do because what I do didn't exist back when I the um basically like one liner that stuck to me was like be the change that you wish to see in the world and like be the person that you needed when you were younger that's what like has gotten me to where I am this like like and it would have really started off with a lot of anger like it would have started off with a lot of like justice needs to be done and like I need to be the one that fixes this and takes down the medical industry and blah 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 (laughs) like literally just very very angry um little gal but basically I nothing like what exists now online like it's absolutely incredible to see the information that's available online and for it to be like having that ripple effect into like personal trainers and stuff like that that maybe don't even have a nutrition qualification that they're able to even understand and advise on maybe you should take a few deep breaths and eat mindfully and stuff like it's fucking incredible to see that this is becoming basic information um so now I didn't have anyone that I could reach out to I remember looking at functional doctors back then that would have been like my kind of next step but then them being excruciatingly painful in cost and I was a broke ass college student so I was like we won't be doing that um because the testing would have been like a grand and all this kind of stuff and yeah uh, and again I wouldn't have had a whole lot of trust in anyone at that time because I would have constantly gone to the doctor and been like okay maybe this time will be different maybe if I ask for these type of tests that I've looked up that could be helpful etc etc and always always just being told there's nothing wrong the tests are inconclusive and so on so yeah I wouldn't have really sought support and I suppose for anyone listening that's not the good thing to do don't try to figure it out yourself because there is so many people that can support you and make that journey so much quicker like my first three years of IBS it took me to actually be able to change my IBS whereas nowadays you can get a diagnosis sign up with a coach and you can get support within the first few weeks and you can see massive changes and improvements so yeah I I guess I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't go through that journey so like it, it is what it is but if 
yeah if there was someone available at the time it would have made it a lot easier <laughs> yeah yeah well no it is I think it is incredible and to see like even I think females are becoming so much more knowledgeable now about their cycles and like what happens in the different phases and how that can affect them um and yeah I think like any any coach um who has any sort of know-how they are talking about these things with their clients you know even from coaches like you to even I know coaches who are like strict bodybuilding coaches they're still talking to their clients about eating mindfully and you know minding their digestion because we appreciate that it's so important for your health um overall so um I suppose to take a bit of a zoomed out um approach um and given what I've just said there about you know becoming more in tune with your cycles um maybe if we could just briefly run through just for anybody who's listening in case they you know they know they have a cycle they know they bleed they know they ovulate but maybe they're not super sure on like the other little phases and how it can affect them throughout the month could you just kind of run through run through what the phases are and I suppose any considerations we might want to take for things like our nutrition or our training obviously you know every female is so so different and I know that even from working with all the girls I work with some are they'll have a month no problem like they don't they don't even notice that they've gotten their period and then the next month they're crippled and then I've got some girls who consistently are fine some girls who are consistently suffer with body image suffer with their their cravings their hunger so it is I think it's interesting like if anything as a coach I'm always like oh I would I wonder what this girl's gonna be like but yeah if you could just walk us through that um obviously briefly I know it's something that you could spend an hour discussing in detail which is definitely <laughs> not needed um but just what the kind of things that you think people pro- should probably know what they should be aware of how they could maybe tell they're in these different phases and yeah yeah absolutely so there is two stages of the menstrual cycle there is the first half which is the follicular phase and the second half which is the luteal phase and I actually tend to think of the menstrual cycle in three phases so there's like the period which is like phase five to seven or so um, you'll have your ovulation in the center somewhere and then you'll have your PMS at the the second or the last week of the cycle so like you can kind of as in what you focus on in those three parts because they will feel different um but you don't need to complicate it you can just keep it as two (laughs) but basically there is the follicular phase which will be you know start of menstruation um and then the lead up to ovulation so that's what that marks um for that person that could be I suppose the typical textbook standard of that is your menstrual cycle would be 28 days plus or minus two so 26 to 30 days would be the standard and what would be considered kind of optimal or balanced hormones within like there's obviously other things that can happen outside of hormones but um you know that would be considered normal and what we'd be aiming for there's no perfect cycle you don't have to have 28 days on the button every single month um but if you are a lot less a lot lower than the 26 days and a lot higher than the the 30 days it is an indication that something needs support and there is room for like optimization and there may be an underlying condition maybe you're not ovulating maybe you've got PCOS there's something worth investigating there and you know that can what I always say to clients is I suppose before I get into it you can you can basically have moments or months let's say where you're like shit's gonna hit the fan in life and your your mental cycle is gonna reflect that and that's okay you don't need to get bogged down by each month I'll have some clients being like okay I had a 28 day cycle last month but this this month it's 32 what's happening and kind of freaking out and it's like no we don't need to attach like perfectionism to the mental cycle there's nothing wrong with you like from time to time you are going to experience maybe you don't ovulate maybe you don't maybe you've got a longer cycle that's 
okay like even just getting on a plane can affect your menstrual cycle stress can affect your menstrual cycle um maybe you had higher energy expenditure that month and you didn't realize that you were under eating slightly so there's this multiple different things that can impact the cycle so what I would look at is patterns on a month by month basis versus freaking out over individual months um so yeah so the textbook standard is 28 days so you'll look at it and it'll be like okay the first half is days 1 to 14 second half is days 14 to 28 so days 1 to 28 is like I said the follicular phase and you can very much see your hormones I kind of say that it's like they switch back on and you start to feel a bit more life within you so you'll have probably low low energy low drive etc at the start of your period the first day and um, because you'll have low progesterone and low estrogen and on the lead up to your ovulation so from the start of your cycle up to the first half and um, you will have so day 14 you'll basically have an increase in estrogen and you may even start to feel that and experience that the minute you get your period so in the way it's like before your period and you're like crying and you're anxious and everything and it's like oh I'm bleeding today makes sense I get it I'm okay now so (laughs) that's that can literally be an an instant switch for someone um and that's because their hormones are starting to switch back online okay so ovulation is the like I suppose you people what's that book called period power as well um now there's some things in period power which I don't agree with but we can take we can take it up into salt but um there is basically an analogy that can help people understand the seasons of the cycle such as um spring summer autumn winter and you can kind of learn to adapt to go with that with your body so your spring is like the first stage of your cycle from menstruation as you're starting to experience the switch back on of your estrogen you're starting to feel you know the days are getting brighter you're feeling a bit more of a pep in your step um and you're you're starting to feel a bit more like a human and then on the lead up to ovulation is like your summer you're gonna feel stronger you know you might feel that your energy um is there you very much can push yourself for pbs um and you can feel like um more confident you can put yourself out there more people like will actually go as far as like scheduling events or scheduling things to do at work around that time I could not be arsed I've got way too much to think about (laughs) so I I saw now I would go as far as saying this a little bit disordered because I would see some influencers or or coaches very much being like about so tuned into the menstrual cycle that they really chop and change their training so much and I'll get into that in a second and I would question like is there a need like like maybe this trainer has not a whole lot else of stress going on in their life that they have the time to do that but for people you have to keep it fucking simple otherwise you're just going to get overwhelmed um but yeah anyways your ovulation is the time of your month where you're going to feel at your best and that is because we're trying to attract the opposite sex and um what's the fucking word reproduce make so a baby procrastinate what's the other word not procrastinate i don't so... think that's what we want to do at that time of the month <laughs> maybe <laughs> literally yeah but that is the function of the menstrual cycle it's so funny when you actually yeah. think about it just like so we can reproduce and keep the human species alive yeah. um yeah. but yeah so we will release an egg then with fertilization or with with ovulation sorry and it'll either be fertilized or um you will then um create a menstrual cycle um and you'll menstruate and bleed so basically you're with response to that ovulation you will release progesterone okay so in the sack that is um that your egg will be in there will be a release of some more estrogen and more progesterone so you will feel 
there'll be a little bit of a dip of, of estrogen back down after um after ovulation but it should increase a little bit more but it's not um it's not going to be as high as you will experience it at that stage of the menstrual cycle and ovulation and um, so you know your, your energy might not all be there you might not be able to be smashing those pbs and so on um and you should experience progesterones um benefits i suppose so a lot of people in the pms stage of the cycle again similar to what we're saying about ibs people just accept that pms needs to be this crazy time of the month where they're just moody hormonal and um, severe cravings extreme low energy and it's just this like week of death basically and it just doesn't need to be that way so if you are feeling like extremely anxious and very very irritable that is a sign that you're not making enough progesterone so a lot of people don't realize that and that could be because you're not ovulating that could be because you just have a high a lot of high amount of stress or inflammation and um, it could be because you've got high estrogen. there's there's reasons for it so it's worth investigating and working on it because you know like we're saying about quality of life you don't have to experience that every single month and like sometimes it's apps they can experience it and it's absolutely dreadful that week and they they really turn on themselves and because they don't know how to manage it it's like a whole personality transplant and you know it just doesn't have to be that way and same with your period so after ovulation after um you're experiencing that progesterone you will then go on to have your period but with progesterone you're meant to feel the anti-anxiologic effects of it so you're meant to feel like that kind of the way i describe it, it's kind of like a nurturing motherly energy so progesterone is released to sustain pregnancy basically and um that's why that's increased and if fertilization occurs and um basically that will go on to create that pregnancy but if it is not fertilized um uh basically the you'll start to sh shed the blah, blah, <laughs> shed the lining of the womb um and that is what will cause the menstrual cycle bleed um so yeah so it's 28 day cycles some people it's a lot longer some people it's a lot shorter worth investigating um and you can start to work with that and when you understand your menstrual cycle you can work with your body i remember with training i used to not be aware of the effects of my menstrual cycle at all and i used to be like oh my god just, like just beat myself up some weeks i'm wondering was it because i was tired or just like i'm a weak bitch this week and blah 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 and it's just like no <laughs> there's there's actually physiological changes that are happening within my body throughout the month with those fluctuation of hormones so what I have started to do and some people they've done research obviously they've done like research for best practices and like a lot of people will just encourage yoga around the PMS week or the menstrual cycle week and it's like I don't think you need to do that because there's so much benefits for training for your menstrual cycle even for pain management and if you do some sort of exercise to release endorphins that can really help with pain management so you don't need to completely take a step back maybe don't do some hip thrusts if you're feeling oh. um, the pain <laughs> nothing worse <laughs> but yeah so there's adjustments you can make and what I do is typically my week of my menstrual cycle I'll start to feel my energy increase and my strength increase towards the end of the week and then from that week on until just after ovulation I know my strength will be best so I will push try to push my numbers then and yeah. try to increase what I'm doing um and that will be a time that I'll try to hit a pb or even just try to like whatever I'm working on try to max out um and then towards the end of my menstrual cycle I'm going to give myself permission and this is the big thing to pull back if I need to drop my weight if I need to drop my reps if I need to do something to pull back intensity because my body doesn't have it it doesn't have the energy 
from the hormones they're supporting me that is okay that is absolutely okay and I think this is a big thing for people is that they fear that their progress is going to be ruined for just dropping back for one week of the month and it's just not like I know you can probably add to that as well yeah and and that's exactly what I say to clients I say like don't go in expecting to be weak and don't go in telling yourself you're going to be weak but if you find that the power isn't there the drive isn't there just just give yourself the grace to say okay I'm just gonna maybe I'll do my lighter sets today or I'll just take it down a notch you know it's it's more so about I suppose being reactive than proactive and like because you do you hear about these people writing programs based around the menstrual cycle and I'm like first of all like what like that just doesn't like for I don't I don't have time like you said like who has the time to be thinking yeah. about changing their training completely I think it's more so about giving yourself that kind of permission like you said that if if today I don't have it there it's fine you know and like I know for myself I'll find like it would be certain movements that are harder. Like I always find my upper body would get super weak um, for some reason, like just can't press anything, push anything. My lower body's usually fine. And then I've always found like when I'm on my period, once I get past that first like day of horrific pain, I actually feel really strong. Like, and I don't know, there's something really empowering about lifting really heavy weight when you know that your body is like going through that. You're like, okay, watch a man try and do this. They would never <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I do. I think people can really overcomplicate it. And again, like some girls, no problems. Like they will literally like throughout the whole month, they don't experience these kind of dips in strength. And then I know other girls that they do. And I think it is really important to, that's why I say to everybody, just track your cycle, get to know what your body does and understand that, you know, like some, even like you said there, like some months, maybe you're more stressed. Maybe your symptoms are worse. Maybe you're just, you have to pull back more. And then again, it's, it's, it's not like you're going to lose all your gains and you're a complete failure now. It's like, no, it's, it's just a few days. It's just a few sessions. And I think like still going in. And like you said, I think that was about the pain relief. And I've always said that to clients. I'm like, look, like, I don't know about you. I feel way worse if I sit inside and like, I mean, like a ball on the couch, then I know, then I'm, I'm so aware of the pain I'm in because it's all I'm focusing on. Whereas I find if I go outside and even train or walk, like it actually helps so, so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it is really worthwhile mentioning that. Cause I think there, there was for a while, a bit of a trend of like, Oh, did you, and I, I would always see as well, like males talking about it and they'd be like, girls, you're going to be weak the week before your period. And I'm like, stop telling girls that. Like, stop, bro. You don't even know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, okay, like I get, like I get, like you're trying to be progressive, but like don't tell us how we're going to feel. Like, again, it's not that, like I know plenty of male coaches who probably know more about the menstrual cycle than the majority of women. Like they're so clued in, but equally you're never going to know the feeling of it. Um, And so, yeah, I think that that's kind of the, the main thing about training is, understand how you react give yourself permission if you are not able to kind of push yourself to the max capacity but equally don't expect that you're just going to be weak because it's the week before your cycle because I see that as well sometimes with girls they're like oh well I'm in my late luteal phase better drop all the weights by 20 percent it's like well (laughs) maybe not necessary um so with regards to nutrition then do you find that there's any like trends across the cycle obviously I'm sure any girl listening to this will be like yes I know I get starving (laughs) before my cycle um but are there any kind of practices you might employ or advice you give to people um around managing nutrition you know throughout the cycle or kind of trends that you see 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, post ovulation is when we will have a shift in body temperature. Um, and with that shift in body temperature, it means we have a slightly increased metabolism, which means an increased requirement for calories. So this is one thing that if again if we're uneducated about and we're not aware of that happens um we very much will just ignore hunger or freak out about hunger okay so like obviously if people are counting calories um you know they might stick to the same calories and that's something that might make them ignore hunger and not provide their needs at this time and this could be a time that because there's emotions because if you're not experiencing like if you're not making enough progesterone or you're not um you know you're not supported by your hormones let's say emotionally emotions can be very much heightened and your nervous system can be a little bit more agitated so if you're hangry at that time of the month it really does not serve you so it can be very beneficial to like bring your calories up to maintenance or even just allow for the calories the extra hunger when it comes so like like there's very much like a bog standard recommendation of like 150 to 300 calories extra per day but like I I wouldn't really do that and I tend to think because hunger is a little bit delayed as well I don't it's not like this set thing that once you ovulate I find that the patterns I see with clients is that it's like more so towards PMS week and into your menstrual cycle so like if you start eating um sorry my water is dropping here and if you start eating your calories 300 like 300 calories a day like you might not necessarily need them again and really tune into your body and what your needs are but like I know myself um, around my PMS week I do need a little bit more calories and like that's the times that I'll just allow myself to have a fucking extra ice cream or that's the times that I'll just have a bigger bowl of porridge or I'll have extra um snacks or whatever like it doesn't have to be this big complex thing um where you need to be so strategic with it you could absolutely if you wanted to um but it can just be something like allowing yourself this time of month to have something extra that you enjoy so like this would typically be the stage of the month where people will they may even feel like they experience low appetite, but their cravings are high. This can be a very like common contradiction when yeah. it's actually more so they f- don't feel that they've got the energy or the desire to cook their usual meals. They can't be, it's not like appetizing for them. So they might find themselves skipping out on them or snacking or picking a little bit more. So that increases the calories more, which increases the cravings. And the thing with cravings is cravings is just like, I suppose if you think about your body, intuitively knows that you need more calories around that stage of the cycle okay and if you are not responding to that your hunger signals are going to get um more heightened and it's going to feel like more of an urge and your body knows how to get instant energy fast so it knows to opt for the calorie dense sources of foods i'll couple that with wanting some sort of like comfort and kind of emotional support at that stage of the month that is why we can reach for the chocolate the ice cream whatever that people will demonize as bad and it's really important to have that neutral approach with your language and with your relationship with food so that you're not labeling foods as good or bad you're just simply giving yourself permission to enjoy some chocolate at that stage of the month but but not deprioritizing the other things that make you feel satiated that keep you fuller for longer and so on it can very much feel like this either or all or nothing mentality at this stage of the month for a lot of women where they're very much deprioritizing the the normal things that they do and that increases their calorie or their cravings so much more and they feel like this bad person they may have binge eating and so on when it's actually like you've just deviated quite a lot from what you normally do instead of doing that keep it consistent and then just allow yourself to have those extra calories if you want some chocolate or whatever 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's um, that usually the advice I give if I have somebody who like consistently is struggling in that week before their cycle, I'll be like, just, just give yourself the permission to like increase the size of your meals or have something a little bit extra. You know, we know that you're probably going to be burning, like, especially if, if, cause I know it can be very individual. Like some people burn more, some people don't, but it's like, if you're consistently really hungry, you probably fall in the camp of the people who are burning more calories around that time. So it just makes sense to honor that. Like, and again, like it's going to be individual dependent. Like some people, they don't feel the need to do that. Like they can keep going and it's like, okay, well, great. If that's you, then you're just in a bit of a bigger deficit that week. Brill. But if you do feel the need and if it's going to actually help with long-term adherence and your ability to keep your head screwed on um, in that week, then it makes sense to kind of allow yourself to have that. So yeah, I think that that's like the main things with with the cycle like I think you can get you can get so convoluted with it and like I know like there's been some research kind of around say your ability to use for example carbohydrates for fuel versus oxidizing fatty acids for fuel and I've seen some people recommend things around that and I'm like okay do we really need to be uh, advising people have more fats in this stage and more carbs in that stage like no it just seems like that's just so complicated I mean like when I'm giving people calories anyway it's like just protein and calories so do what you want with your fats and carbs if you're craving more fats have them but yeah I think uh, I have I have seen that and I'm like just thinking no we as women don't need to do that um but yeah I think that's good would give people a really good overview of kind of the different stages of their cycle what they need to maybe watch out for and I think the the main takeaway is always like just track your cycle and like see how you respond as an individual because again you can read all the papers and see all the recommendations but it always comes down to you like your own hormones even just how you are that month it's also individual so I suppose I wanted to just move on then to contraceptives because I think this is a huge topic and I know you've kind of mentioned yourself it's something you've sort of changed your mind on and I have to say I'm in similar in a similar boat to you I think there was a bit of a trend on social media maybe the last two years around the pill and suddenly it's like the pill is the most terrifying thing you can take any sort of hormonal contraceptives oh my god what are you doing get off that I've heard about coaches telling clients to come off them it's like if you're taking it why are you doing that you're so stupid like do you not know what it's doing to your body and I think Mm. we 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 can come a bit past that and be like okay there's a time and a place for these things but I suppose what I would love to hear you talk about um because I think there's no point getting into like how, how they work and everything like we can briefly but it, it's such a big topic and there's so many different types but I suppose if I was a client and I was coming to you and say I've been on the pill for five years and I've heard all these things about how the pill is maybe not so good for me or you know maybe I don't really know much and I don't really know too much myself I was just put on it when I was 17 by my doctor which let's be real I know I was when I was 17 oh you're 17 oh here's the pill like you better start taking that um what what would you say to somebody or how would you start to try and educate them around okay what what is it what, what is it doing? What are maybe the long-term risks slash benefits? And yeah, I suppose like what, what would you say so that somebody can make an informed decision? Because I think that's the biggest thing here is people need to be able to have all the information um, and then make the decision based on what's going to be right for them versus, oh, you should just take this or, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Don't take it, you know? 
yeah absolutely and that's the most important thing and that's what's made me change my perspective I would have been very much like anti-pill because the impact that it has on clients and because I see how their quality of life can shift coming off it but I also have then been educated on the fact that some people have no issues with the pill and they've got zero implications and they can regain their menstrual cycle the minute they come off it and you know they're grand so that there is there is multiple possibilities that exist and that's where we need to open up this conversation and not shame people for taking hormonal contraceptives because there's also some people that are supported with it so people with endometriosis um you know if they don't get symptoms like excruciating cramping and pain and inflammation throughout the month from taking the hormonal contraceptives why the fuck would they not do that for a period of time in their life you know so absolutely but it it can and and where it started for me because it masks symptoms symptoms of PCOS it doesn't actually get to the root it doesn't actually help improve the um the clients or the person's quality of life there's so much that needs to be done outside of just offering the pill um and that is where I think that's where my frustration comes from because it's just given as like this is your answer when it's like it doesn't even do like 30 20 percent of like what what needs to be done to support PCOS and, and help a person um so what I always say is to make sure that you're making an informed decision for you. Um, and I think you need to weigh up the pros and cons personally for you. So do you have a health condition that this supports? Do you have a health condition that this doesn't support and that you could actually benefit from not being on hormonal contraceptives and instead getting support from a nutritionist or a coach or another doctor or whatever um and really seeing is that an issue for you and if so look into it and see like come to a a sound conclusion with empowered and informed information um outside of that do you want to be on contraceptives do you need to be on it to have a good sex life like do you actually fear that you're going to get pregnant so much so that you're not even in your body and not able to achieve an orgasm do you know like is this something that you're not even able to enjoy in the moment that's that is affecting your quality of life do you need the pill to feel safe and have enjoyable sex? Because that's an important factor too. That's not yeah. a lot of people are talking about. However, there's also the flip side of it is that you will have, you possibly will have low sex drive. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> I think so, most girls can like attest to that. I know when I came off the pill, I was like, okay. <laughs> like I didn't mm-hmm. realize what it was doing it was to just me. Bitch. <laughs> yeah, but like you don't, you just like so many of us just we have no idea and we're like, yeah. like and I and like, so many of my friends I've spoken to are the exact same like they go on it and they're like I don't even want to have sex <laughs> it's, it's like yep yeah, that, that's how it works apparently <laughs> I know it's a bit fucked up to be honest but um what I will say is like people are so afraid of not having something as a safety blanket and this is where this is where privilege can come in that if we're privileged enough to be able to regulate our menstrual cycle, tune into our menstrual cycle, have moments of not being so stressed or having access to like healthy food and whatever, you know, this is where we are a little bit privileged that we get to work on our menstrual cycle and have access to maybe education and support from coaches and so on to learn about that. Okay. So this is where another topic can come up about like that stop shaming people because someone might at that moment in time need something like the pill because they they haven't got access to privilege or this information or whatever now obviously you and I know that there's so much simple things that you can do to regulate your menstrual cycle and support your health and your hormones so you know that argument can be kind of 
debated a little bit but there is there's just I suppose to highlight that there's multiple different perspectives an individual could have for reason being on contraceptives and outside of that there is other alternatives like you can learn how to track your menstrual cycle with your natural temperature um, and use apps like natural cycles and so on you can use barrier methods there's so many different things um like i've a lot of people will fear coming off i've been off the pill since like i think like seven or eight years now have a look back still not pregnant such a <laughs> you know it's it's okay I've got PCOS as well that can be a big issue for people that if they've got really long or regular cycles how did they track their ovulation and I know that that can be a real fear for people and again the benefits of working with the coach but the pill does work to suppress hormones so you are going to feel like I felt like a very numb version of myself um, and that just wasn't okay for me because I would have had severe depression anxiety um, I obviously had a lot of trauma to work through and stuff like that at the time but I felt so much better instantly coming off the pill now sorry not instantly I wouldn't have had a period for a year because we had a little eating disorder back then um and I would have been severely underweight and it took me about a year to get my menstrual cycle back so but again the minute my menstrual cycle like literally I remember it like what you're saying the few days before my period my, I had never I'll never forget this I had such heightened sex drive that I was like where the fuck has this come from and literally a few days later got my period and I was like whoa okay but it's again you don't feel you can't even access pleasure when you're on the pill and you know like that's not I just feel like that's not a life that I want to live and again whatever power to you if that's for you but it's just not something that I wanted to experience and also affect things like PCOS and IBS it depletes your nutrient sources because it needs to be metabolized it can affect the liver it can affect your like your B vitamins your magnesium your zinc all these kind of things and your gut microbiome as well and for me I just really value health and I spent quite a lot of time trying to get my symptom management to a place where I'm kind of symptom free quite a lot of the time with my IBS my PCOS now obviously I still have a condition that doesn't have a cure so I just have to manage it as best as I can but being on the pill would be something that would interrupt that and that's that's just not not something that's for me yeah yeah I think um yeah I think what you said there about it being the issue where when we're masking things like that's where there's a problem because it's like okay great you're gonna go on the pill and mask your symptoms for five years and then what happens when you come off and maybe you want to have a baby or you know maybe you don't want to have a baby maybe you just you want to come off the pill and now you're dealing with all of these things when you're 25 30 35 and again I think a big big thing is that it does come down to that lack of education you know even I'll, I'll hear her girl say like oh yeah well I'm on my period but I know that they're on the pill and I'm like okay but you're not though <laughs> you know like and I, I I know sometimes people just use that word for withdrawal yeah. bleed but I think sometimes people actually don't get that like it's completely different um, mm-hmm. and they just don't know and you know of course like there's other things like you know the health risks say like um, I know like bone mineral density that can be something that potentially gets a little bit negatively impacted by being on hormonal contraceptives but again like they are necessary for some people you know I like personally I have the coil and I love it like I literally came off the pill got it and I never had any issues with it I know some girls who have had lots of issues with it so that's not an option for them so for in that case maybe it makes more sense to be on the pill and then there's some girls where being on the pill isn't an option because they forgot to take it and so for those girls maybe something like the bar the injection that that's what they have to do because they don't want to get they don't want to get pregnant and maybe for them at whatever stage of life they're in 
it's not feasible to be tracking their cycle and they don't maybe and look, maybe some people just don't want to do that like maybe some people just don't want to be yeah. like oh some people just don't care <laughs> yeah they're like oh a few days every month I don't really want to have to be like no sorry we can't have sex to my boyfriend like and that's fair enough because that's it's you and it's your choice and yeah I think at the end of the day it is 100% like your decision how you choose to kind of go about these things but it's always about making sure you have the information um especially in the long run I think one thing I see and like you said there there'll be some girls I have some clients they come off the pill like after like 10 years they get a period in a month and I'm like what the fuck like Mm -hmm. I came off the pill after seven years and it took me it took me like six seven months to get it back and I mean like that's I think that's pretty normal you know and like I've I've had other clients who again a year like or so and it takes them that long to to get it back so I think that's that's one thing is like even understanding the long-term effects and maybe like your fertility you know I I've heard of some women they come off the pill after like 10-15 years and they think I'm just gonna get pregnant and it's like well you you've been in this state where you actually haven't had any hormones for so long it's gonna take your body a while like you know you don't And, and these, I know these, um, like obviously the pill has been around for like 80 years or something. And it was like one of the first things that they were using in the Olympics for women so that they wouldn't get their period during their, like during the events and stuff like that. But equally, I think that the, the, the widespread usage that we see now is, is still newish. You know, we don't have say a lot of 60 or 70 year olds who are on the pill their entire adult lives. And so it is interesting to see how it is going to affect us potentially like in the future because we don't we you know we don't we don't know until we have those populations and yeah. you know and so that's something that I always think about as well as like what what are the long-term effects of all this and I think when you're 17 and the doctor tells you it's time to go on the pill I think there is that bit of a thrill like uh, I've heard people talk about that before but I think there's almost that rite of passage where you're like oh my god like I'm cool now because I'm on the pill and, and like, time to have sex yeah but it is like that you're kind of like and like your friend you're like to your friends you're like oh you you not on the pill like yeah I'm on the pill. <laughs> like your alarm's going off and you're like oh like and like I think that that is something that we experience as teenagers but yeah, yeah you get older and you start kind of thinking about these things it is uh, it is interesting but I suppose say if someone did come to you and they said okay Orla I have all the information and I decided I want to come off the pill maybe I want to get the copper coil I want to try tracking my cycle what are some considerations you would maybe um take there or like what are some recommendations you might give to somebody who is thinking about coming off the pill maybe like supplements or lifestyle things that they would want to look for what should they expect you know um like we said there, some girls will get their cycle in a month. Some people, it might be a year. Is there any way of maybe knowing what that could be? Or yeah, what would you just kind of, I suppose, say to somebody who is going to make that transition? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I just want to point out for fertility as well, like just to start off, like if you are considering fertility, like like what you said is just really to give yourself like a year to two years before, like don't come off the pill and just expect that you're going to get pregnant next month. And even if you do get pregnant next month, it's not going to be an optimal egg. Like your the quality of the egg isn't going to be, it's not going to have all the nutrients that you need because the pill puts you in a state of like depletion as such. So you do want to give yourself like, three months of a consistent menstrual cycle before you start trying if possible I know that's not it doesn't always translate that way um but just because you're you're going to have optimal hormones then hopefully yeah. <laughs> if you're doing all the right things and you're putting the right strategies in place but I think people have this 
again, this adds this pressure and this stress and it takes away from the enjoyable process of conception, but then also it adds pressure and stress, which is interfering with conception as well and ovulation. So just if you can, obviously things happen or, you know, whatever, you change your mind or whatever, but just try and have a bit of a longer game if you're in a position to do so. Um, outside of fertility, so like what you said is you can take around three to six, Six months would be kind of the norm um, for trying to regain your menstrual cycle coming off the pill. It can take that long. Like what you said, someone can literally have their period next month um, and go back to normal and there's not much issues. Um, so that would be kind of six months would be the time that I'd recommend that someone would get blood testing if they haven't gotten it back at that point to see what's going on. There may be underlying conditions. There may be something excuse me, there might be something that needs a little bit more TLC. Um, and that would be something I suppose to work with a nutritionist with because I have to say doctors don't really know how to interpret hormonal blood tests for optimal ranges. I'm just going to say it because they know how to read high or low and out of spec and stuff, but they, they don't know what's optimal. Um, and oftentimes I will get clients that will give me blood tests and they will be told that everything's normal and I will read it and they're not normal. There's quite a lot we can do with the bloods or quite a lot that shows us, gives us clues about what we can do. Um, so yeah, the... I suppose what happens is when you're on the pill, your hormones are suppressed. Okay. So we like to, our hormones like to make like a baseline level um, of bloods to secrete, um, of hormones to secrete. Sorry. So what happens is the pill is suppressing it and it can be like the baseline levels can be a little bit higher. And once you remove that suppression, your hormones can kind of go wild a little bit. So I kind of think of it as this like peak, you, they start to turn back on. I'm doing like a bit of a graph here on the, on the camera for anyone who doesn't see. <laughs> um, but a little bit of a peak and they say post pill, your symptoms can peak after, uh, up to six months. I kind of see more of a trend that it peaks six months into regaining your menstrual cycle if it's taking you quite a long time to get it. So if I give myself as an example, it took me a year to get my first menstrual cycle and I would have started developing acne, um, I think at the first month of getting my menstrual cycle. So my hormones weren't functioning optimally at that point. Not optimally, sorry, they were never optimal until I regulated, but they were, they weren't, they were absent so they weren't obviously that was amenorrhea that was a little bit of a different case but they were absent so they weren't actually going to experience those fluctuations of the hormones that you will see post pill so they typically are the androgen hormones like i mentioned earlier on with like the hair growth and um, can be hair loss as well acne oily skin um even sweating body odor kind of like testosterone kind of manly vibes um, and that can make us feel just that that's obviously can create a lot of issues with stress and body image and so on from acne and it is that thing that you kind of have to accept that may be part of your post pill journey and yeah. not everyone gets it Um, literally I will see clients like I said zero issues at all Um, they will actually just feel really good if it was something that was affecting them beforehand Um, and some clients will have to go through a quite a journey where they'll have like a peak of acne symptoms between the six to nine months and then it will come back down afterwards so you may have a bit of a journey to embark on after coming off the pill so like even for like weddings and stuff I know that like I have some clients that they'll want to come off the pill now and they're getting married next year so they can start getting pregnant straight away and if you can even go one step further and do it a little bit further away from your wedding so that you're not like the few months lead up to your wedding you're experiencing acne as well um that was just something that came up recently I was like okay okay let's let's slow down for a second yeah um because 
cause yeah um I'm getting sidetracked here now but anyways yeah you want to be supporting the body as much as possible post pill and really just trying to get your body back to functioning hormones really like using it as a time to like pull back on any stressors that are within your control you know it might not be that most optimal time to be in a calorie deficit if it's going to be adding quite a lot of stress um and just really trying to like use this as an opportunity to nurture yourself and nourish yourself and do all the things that really make you feel good supplements wise i suppose the likes of zinc and magnesium and b vitamins can be good to add um optimizing your digestion is really important as well um and yeah that, that's kind of it really really like regulating your blood sugars and all those kind of things to do with balancing your meals the usual things as well is really really important yeah yeah i uh i came off the pill and started a diet <laughs> and i just i just never i just i just didn't even think about it and then yeah. it took me six months to get my period back but like that's why um but yeah i just i just when you said that there I was like yeah it was one of the one of the less smart things that I've done in the last few years and I also experienced that um when I came off the pill my skin was great and I was like girls everybody needs to get off the pill look how good my skin is and then like six months later it it I didn't get like acne but like it started breaking out really badly and I was like I was like, what, wait, what is this? I thought, I thought the pill was giving me acne and now it's this, like it was. Where's my glow up? <laughs> I know. I was like, ah, what's going on? Um, so yeah, I think that it, it can be a tumultuous journey and something as well. I've noticed with girls when they first get their real periods back and I noticed myself the pain, those first few, I was like, if this is what periods are like, I don't want it. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. But then it, it got so much better. And so whenever I have a client who's come off and they're saying that, I'm like, I promise, I promise, I promise it's going to get better. And I promise you are not doomed to be in this much pain every time you get your periods back because it's not pleasant. Um, But I think we will wrap it up there because I know you obviously have some calls soon. <laughs> and I think we've covered so much. Like there's like, er, like there was so much that I was like, oh my God, I'd love to ask her about that and that and that because even like things like the link between like digestion and hormones, like that's something I notice a lot as well. But maybe I'll have to just get you back on and we can talk about loads <laughs> of other stuff because there is like, there is so many topics and I find all of this just so fascinating like the kind of holistic health view and all of these systems are just so connected and I think if we can have just more knowledge and awareness about it and get more in tune with our body it makes such a difference just like you said your quality of life and I think that that's the biggest thing is like that's what this is all affecting like it doesn't really matter about like your dieting your muscle gain it's it's how you feel on a daily basis and I think as a female it's so empowering to get to a position where you are in tune with that you know to be like oh yeah I can feel that I'm ovulating oh yeah I can feel that I'm at this phase of my cycle I think it's really nice and I think just hearing about how you're going to feel at different moments it can help you know when I have someone come on and they don't know anything about their cycle I'm like okay let's just you know start tracking this um but no thank you so much for coming on Orla this has been such a good chat if you wouldn't want oh my god I got all lost my words there if you would like to plug away um for yourself talk a little bit about your coaching you know if anybody's listening to this and you are struggling with hormonal issues IBS issues any of that Orla is an incredible coach so yeah go and plug yourself away <laughs> thank you um yeah <laughs> yeah so I work with just females um and I will specialize in hormones gut health so specifically I suppose PCOS amenorrhea um painful periods fertility all that kind of stuff um gut health IBS um any sort of chronic constipation diarrhea anything like that um 
and then disordered eating relationship with food and body um and now i'm kind of bringing more of the nervous system regulation because it's all connected as well it's not like a separate topic it's like something that i can just see as like a missing piece that's really really important like a lot of us are acting from like our wounded inner child or we're basically like un- unable to like cope with day-to-day life and feeling so overwhelmed about gaining weight or about not controlling calories or whatever that it can be this very much overwhelming experience and when you learn to just regulate and self-soothe it actually feels a little bit more manageable um but yeah you can find me over on instagram at the health hone and i've got my own podcast the health hone podcast and yeah i've got a website you can get in contact with coaching inquiries either pop me a dm or there's an inquiry form through there um and yeah i think that's it (laughs) perfect well i'll leave all of your details down below i'll link you and of course if you're listening to this and you enjoyed this would love if you would write rate review share the podcast all that good stuff and if you want to share this on your stories and tag myself and orla we would both appreciate it let us know (laughs) if you liked it and aside from that just have a wonderful rest of your day and we shall chat to you soon Bye. bye